from NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in Giants fans to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, joined by my friend and colleague, Daryl Slater. And Daryl, we are here at Quest Diagnostics Training Center in the shadow of MetLife Stadium just hours after Eli Manning officially announced his retirement from the NFL. Certainly, it was no secret. We all could kind of read the tea leaves and see that this was coming. But after one year of being Daniel Jones's backup, a 16-year career that saw him win a pair of Super Bowl championships and two Super Bowl MVPs. MVPs. Eli Manning's career is over. That era has ended, and it is now officially Daniel Jones's team. Yeah, I mean, this is what we knew it was going to be the case all along. You know, retirement seems all likely possibility all along for Eli Manning. And, you know, obviously it was Daniel Jones' team to a degree, a major degree last year. But now this is his team going into 2020, and he's got a chance to have an offseason in training camp to put his stamp on this whole thing. So it'll be interesting to see. So we'll get into some of the things that were said by John Mara at the press conference today. Some funny takeaways from Eli Manning's comments as he announced his retirement. And look ahead to what the next era of Giants football could look like with Daniel Jones new head coach Joe Judge. But before we get into all that, just a couple of housekeeping issues. If you like what you hear, we would love if you would subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store on SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher. Check us out on YouTube, uh, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and you can subscribe on YouTube as well. And of course, you can follow Daryl on Twitter at Daryl Slater. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. And if you get tired of the clutter and going back and forth with the trolls on social media, we now, of course, offer the Giants Extra Text Service, where for $4.99 a month, you can text us directly. We'll interact with you. We'll share our thoughts on what's going on with the Giants. I sprinkled in a couple of tidbits that I saw at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Daryl, you were all over um, the news with the coaching search. You were all over the press conference today on the tech service, and I'm enjoying it. I like interacting with the folks, and it's a nice way to, um, you know, kind of have a more civil conversation about the Giants than maybe we're used to on Twitter. Yeah, I like it. I enjoy uh, interacting with folks on there, and we take uh, questions on there exclusively for this podcast. So if you want to ask a question and hear it, uh, you know, read on the podcast and answered on the podcast, that's the way to do it. And so uh, we'll be doing that a little later on. Yep. And of course, to sign up, you just go to nj.com slash text. Now, let's get right into it, Daryl. In the press conference today, I thought that uh, it was a really nice ceremony put forth by the Giants. Uh, John Mara, of course, gave his opening remarks. And uh, the, the part, number one, the biggest breaking news out of this is that Eli Manning will be inducted into the Giants Ring of Honor next season. They'll retire his number 10 jersey next season. He's not going to have to wait. And I wrote about this on the site that the Giants didn't have a formal Ring of Honor until 2010. But if they have this ceremony next year, Eli Manning will be the first player to ever be inducted the year after he retires. Phil Simms had to wait a year. Um, you know, most other guys had to wait much longer than that because it didn't exist. Some guys, you know, went in three years after their retirement. But I, I think it's fitting, and I think that it's absolutely the right move. And we're going to debate Eli Manning's Hall of Fame candidacy for five years. And certainly that's a much more complicated conversation because it's about the whole league. But Manning left an indelible mark on this franchise. He was one of the greatest brand ambassadors that they've had on and off the field. So to put him in that ring of honor, I think it's fitting, and I think it's absolutely the right move. 
Yeah, I think if you, if you look at it, uh, I mean, obviously he was going to go in the Ring of Honor, and obviously he was going to get his number retired. That that really getting the number retired is a higher honor than going in the Ring of Honor. I mean, there's more people in the Ring of Honor in Giants history than there are people who have had their number retired. And as you mentioned, uh, yeah, they've only been doing the Ring of Honor since 2010, but they they've been retiring numbers since uh, longer ago than that. But if you look at uh, Phil Sims, for instance, you know he obviously uh, somewhat comparable there. He played his whole career with the Giants. He retired in, after the 1993 season. And uh, Phil Simms has had his number retired by the Giants in in 1985 or 1995, I should say. So he did have to wait a year. Phil Simms did. Um, but Wellington, uh, John Mara said today that you know the, that Eli Manning will not have to wait that year. So um, that's sort of where uh, the Giants are at uh, with that. And um, I think it's it's the right move. Yeah, I do too. And I, one of the you know. More poignant moments of the press conference, and you could see that John Mara got choked up discovering discussing it. Was the final game that he watched with his father, the late Giants owner Wellington Mara. It was the comeback victory at the end of the 2004 season when Eli Manning threw that touchdown pass to win the game. And they're standing in the tunnel, John and Wellington, and Wellington looks at John Mara and says, "I think we found our guy." Yeah, that was a nice moment. I mean, that was the only moment where someone kind of teared up, and John Mara got a little emotional talking about that memory of his dad, and it's one memory that he's. For a long time, because you know, as a longtime Giant fans will recall, you know, at that time, Eli Manning. If you go back and look at the stats, it's pretty crazy. I mean, his first six starts, the Giants went zero and six. His numbers were underwhelming, you know, and there were doubts within the Giants organization. And even John Mara said it today: like, did did we make the right decision trading for this guy in the 2004 draft, uh, or would Philip Rivers have been better? And they and they stuck with Eli Manning, and and they obviously reaped the rewards. Yeah, they did, and the franchise did, of course, with the two Super Bowl champions and the two Super Bowl MVPs. Um, I, I look at Eli Manning, and I think that his place among Giants legends is, is certainly well-earned. And I, I put out a story this morning ranking the top 10 all-time. I had him ninth. And, I, I mean, you can make the argument that maybe he could be higher. You can make the argument even that maybe he doesn't belong on the top 10 list just because of how accomplished this franchise is. I mean, you look at the number of Hall of Famers. You look at the guys who have been to three, four, five first-team All-Pros, the guys that have won multiple NFL championships, won multiple Super Bowls, Eli's in that conversation, um, and I do think that we're going to have a really heated debate for at least five years about whether he belongs in Canton, Daryl, um, but my, my, my thought is, and we touched on this a little bit off the air, that if he doesn't get in on that first ballot with the people who are retiring five years from now... It could get a little bit trickier for Manning to get in. Now, Now you know, twist my arm. I think he eventually does get in the Hall of Fame, but it's going to take the voters in that room getting further and further removed from the final four or five years of his career where the Giants only made one playoff one um, playoff berth since the last Super Bowl win in 2012. The further you get away from there, I think the more solidified Manning's legacy gets, but that's also when the competition to get in the Hall of Fame is going to get much, much tougher. I mean, I think there's absolutely no doubt he gets in the Hall of Fame based on, you know, you could argue if the Hall of Fame is too weak in terms of the guys they've allowed in, but there's one quarterback who has won multiple Super Bowls who's not in the Hall of Fame, and that's Ken Stabler. And so by virtue of that, he's he's getting in. I mean, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he does. There was a uh, we did a story earlier uh, or last year regarding uh, the losing record thing, like you know regular season losing record. Uh, and Eli Manning actually wound up 117 and 117 yeah. in the regular season. Now he, you know, what you do in the playoffs elevates you, and his numbers were not incredible. But what he did in in the biggest spots. Uh, now, granted, 
the Giants' defense had a lot to do with them winning those Super Bowls. David Tyree and fate or luck or whatever you want to call it had a lot to do with that <laughs> winning that Super Bowl. But Eli Manning did too, and uh, you know he he played well in in the biggest spots, and that's what he's going to be remembered for. If they don't win those two Super Bowls, yeah, I mean I think there's a, there's obviously a question mark about it, and, and maybe not even a question mark. Maybe he, there's no way he gets in. But I think you know. The, the way that the criteria has been set up for the Hall of Fame in terms of the, the precedent, I should say, in terms of guys who have gotten in, he's getting in. He's going to get in. Is he going to get in as a first ballot guy? It's That literally is only about the guys he's up against. That's Correct. all it is. Uh, so, and, and the two biggest names that have retired this year are obviously Luke Kuechly and Antonio Gates. I think Antonio Gates is a surefire lock to get in. And then it's going to come into, okay, how many holdovers are there? Because we don't know who's going to be in the Hall of Fame in the next four classes, right? So it's going to come down to right. who are the guys that are still not in the Hall of Fame that people in that room are going to view as being better than Eli Manning or believe that that person has sat on the sideline long enough that they want to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, just for people who aren't familiar, five modern-day candidates, that's it. Position weight doesn't matter. Quarterback isn't viewed any differently than offensive tackle or defensive end or safety or cornerback. It's five players from the modern era, and unless you get 85% of the votes and there's 48 people in that room, if you don't get 85% of the votes you're not in. So that's what Eli Manning is up against. And, you know, you think about the guys who are going to be retiring in, in the next couple of years. Larry Fitzgerald, yes, he's coming back this year. But if he retires next year, six years from now, he's going in the Hall of Fame. If Tom Brady retires next year, he's going in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, you can make a case for Patrick Peterson. You can make a case for Adrian Peterson. Drew certainly Brees. Drew Brees, when he retires, yeah. um, he walks in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, those are five or six names right there. You can go down the list and look at some of the offense of linemen are going to be up for it in the next couple of years. So um, I think that if you look at the guys who retired this year, I think that, again, one of those slots is taken by Antonio Gates, but that leaves four openings, and that might help Eli Manning get in, but it all depends on who doesn't get in from this year's class and over the next four years. Yep, and I think, like I said, I, I think it's not like he's going to get in as a modern-day candidate. I think there's no doubt about it. They'll find a way to get him in. Uh, now, does he deserve it? And and we, we had a little text conversation, you and I, and Zach Rosenblatt, who's doing some more giant stuff for us. Uh, you know, we were talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame versus football, and, and baseball is obviously uh, the most – Exclusive. I mean, you look at the NBA Hall of Fame. A lot of guys get in the in the. Or just say, it's really the basketball Hall of yeah. Fame because there's college uh, people in it as well. Uh, the major league, you know, the baseball Hall of Fame is obviously the most exclusive, and almost to a fault, I think, with some of the steroid guys. But that's a different conversation. Right. But. Um, Obviously, you know, guys are in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and especially now with the supersized 2020 class where you could say, geez, really? You know, I think – but it, getting in as a modern-era candidate is the true mark of, 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 being, a Hall of, of being a Hall of Famer, I think. I think that's – that is, uh, you know, the true mark of it. And, and you look at – if Joe Namath is worth going in the Hall of Fame, and I understand, you know, a lot of it is he did some things in the passing game before those – things were commonplace. And I think right? that walking off the field errors. with the number one finger up in the air at a, the Orange right. Bowl after guaranteeing that's a Super moment. Bowl win. I mean, that's a moment. Yeah. Just like Eli Manning is going to get in based on indelible moments. Correct. That's why Tom Coughlin is getting in based on those two Super Bowls, right? I mean, they, they, you, it matters what you do in the biggest spots. And Joe Namath did what he did and won that Super Bowl. And his numbers were fairly underwhelming, 
Um, but it's hard to compare eras. I get that. And Joe Namath was doing things in the passing game at a time when uh, others weren't. Um, but, you know, it's he made a mark on, on the sport. And Eli Manning made a mark on, on the NFL during his time in this league, even though he did not have the type of elite numbers like Tom Brady, like uh, Drew, Drew Brees. Brees. But he was Aaron Rodgers, one of, if not the one of the best players of his generation at his position. He was one of the most effective. And I think that will get him in. Yeah. And I think that the further that you get away from his career, the more fondly the people are going to remember Eli Manning. I, I said this after his final start against Miami, Daryl, you and I might've even talked about this, that it's easy in 2020 to think about all of the ups and downs of his career and think about um, the fact that he only has two seasons where he won playoff games out of 16. Yes, they won the Super Bowl both times, but to be one and done the four other times, I believe it is, um, to never be a first-team All-Pro, to never win a regular season MVP. The further we get away from 2020 and the, and the closer we get to him becoming a Hall of Famer, the more that we are going to be looking back on the helmet catch and the two wins against Brady and Belichick and the fact that because of what he did in those Super Bowls and what he did against the Packers and against the 49ers, he will stake a claim as one of the great all-time clutch performers, and I think that that will ultimately help him. I just caution fans who think that he's a surefire lock to go in the Hall of Fame that it's not just what Manning did. It's what he did compared to the people who were eligible at the time he is. I think he's a lock. I Now, I think, like, like I said, I do think he's a lock, but okay. should he be? I think... He's going to get in. There, I, 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 look, I'll bet you any amount of money right now that he gets in as a modern-day candidate eventually. The, the better conversation, the more interesting one that we kind of are having here and is, you know, should he be? Should we look at things like clutch performances with that much more weight as opposed to the totality of a guy's career? You could say, I, I, look, I say, there are two yeah. games in two, in two playoff runs. Now, how much weight should that carry? I'm not saying they should carry any less, but that's an interesting conversation. How much more weight or less weight should that carry? Or how, it should carry more weight, but how much more weight should that carry than the guy's whole career? What I think, that's an interesting When I think about it, Daryl, I think that the performances in the biggest games, I think that those things are what push you over the top in a borderline conversation. I think that you need to have the borderline numbers and track record of sustained excellence during the regular season, during your career, to have those things put you over the top. You know, like, obviously, um, you know, Jim Kelly going to four Super Bowls and losing them, obviously losing doesn't help him get in the Hall of Fame, but his numbers are good enough that those four appearances push him over the top. So do you think Eli Manning deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? In a, in not take out like what they've done before. Just right. I, I mean that's that's so tough because I do think that he deserves to be in based on what he did in the Super Bowl, and I yeah. think that he fits that criteria of being pushed across the finish line by two clutch performances. I think that they will carry much more weight for him than maybe they should because I don't think that he was ever a, a top three or top five quarterback in the league for one or multiple consecutive right. seasons. Um, but but I think that if we go by the argument that I've talked about with Sal Palantonio and some of the other voters, and I think you and I have touched on this before, can you tell the whole story 
of the NFL without Eli Manning and without those two Super Bowl wins over Brady and Belichick? You can't. Um, but at the same time, Nick Foles, the other quarterback to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl, is not a Hall of Fame quarterback or anywhere near the conversation because he doesn't have the borderline resume that Eli Manning does. And you can't tell the story without him either in the Philly special and all that. So that's another interesting one. Obviously, he's not he's not getting, he's not getting it. Not, not even in the conversation. No, but of my, course not. But, but my point is that's the other extreme is we, we hold up all this yeah. weight for Eli Manning's two. Nick Foles won one, but because he doesn't have the borderline resume, he's not even in the conversation, nor should he be. Right. Yeah, I think it's a, it'll be an interesting debate to have in the years to come. And, and certainly uh, the, the way they've done this 2020 class is sort of cast some light on uh, now I know the modern era, the non-modern era candidates always come with a little bit of an asterisk in my mind, but uh, it sort of cast some light on you. Know, Paul Tagliabue is getting in. Jeez, Louise! I mean that uh, I don't, you know, I don't get that. I just don't. You know, it doesn't make sense. Based to on me. everything he did to belittle the impact of concussions right. and CTE and player safety, uh, I think it, again, as somebody who grew up and watched the game just expand under his watch, I think that his his commissionership will ultimately be a black eye on the NFL because of how long they ignored the data, ignored the trends, and didn't work actively towards containing the issue of concussions right. and how to solve it. Right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. But uh, just so, – so I don't think – I think Eli Manning gets in. I think he deserves to get in. The question is uh, the first ballot thing. I don't think he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I don't think he should be. Uh, in terms of – now, again, it's going to be looked at versus like who he's up against, right? right. Of course. So let's just say like – is he first ballot worthy? I in in uh, in an average year where you're up against an, uh, a normal amount of candidates, would he be a guy that you'd say definitely? Like an Ed Reed is a definitely, Drew Drew Brees, Tom Brady definitely. He's not. He's no. just he's not. Ryan Fitzgerald, Adrian Peterson. No one those remembers guys what ballot in. you get in on. Nobody remembers that. Right. They just remember the gold jacket. They just remember you're in, yep. and uh, and I think that's an interesting one. So that's. That's it. We send Eli Manning off into into whatever was. What's he going to do next? I think that's right. something else. We're, we're, yeah, he's exactly. not going to coach. No, he's not going to coach. And nor you, should he. The, guy's made, the guy made a quarter billion dollars. Why does he want to deal with idiot players? No offense. Yeah, I'm not saying that, but like you know, you know. I'm leaving that in, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm leaving that. In. Well, some players are idiots. Why does he want to deal with their idiocy? I should say. Why would he want to deal with all the headaches that come with having to? Uh, having to deal with all the nonsense of being a coach. No, those hours, why? Yeah. That's a quarter billion dollars. $250 million. You know, you could talk about the fact that maybe he'll be a hot commodity as a commentator, but I don't know if, that he wants to go and do that. I think his personality uh, and his reputation as a prankster and all that, I think he would be an affable and a likable, you know, commentator or announcer. But ask yourself this. You've just spent 16 years playing in the NFL. You can walk away still being able to walk, still being able to say your own name, still being able to remember your kids' names. Do you want to go back on the road 16 weeks calling games no, or going to a studio for 16 weeks to do a pregame show and leave your wife and kids behind? I, I just... Well, you got to remember he lives in this market, too. True. He so in... he could go to ESPN and do studio or work or here. CBS in, in Obviously, Fox in New York. is on the West Coast, so that's something to consider. I mean, Phil Simms lives here in New Jersey still. You yeah. know, he's another guy from the South who wound up making his home in New Jersey and he and he's 
goes in the city and he comes home every night. Yeah, that, that that's a role that I could see him potentially doing on, uh, you know, CBS would be a great fit. But then who are you replacing? Are you replacing Boomer? Are you replacing... Maybe they move Nate Burleson to a booth next year and, and Eli Manning slides right in. How, how about that for maybe. a prediction? How about a bold prediction for what's next, Daryl? They moved Nate Burleson to games and they slide Eli Manning across the, the desk from Phil Simms. I think... That would be fascinating. The other thing is, like, does he want to do it? And a lot of these guys, like, you know, Nate Burleson, Bill Cowher, Phil, they made good money. They could make good money. They didn't make a quarter billion dollars. A lot of these guys maybe don't need to work, need to work. But if they want to, like, you know, keep up a lifestyle, they probably need to go work for CBS and yep. do that do that work. Eli Manning is the highest paid player in NFL history. He's not going to remain there. I did a little post on that. Right. Who could pass him. But uh, The Watt family says hello. What's that? The Watt family and the Bosa family, they say hello. As the highest paid player in NFL history? Well, in terms well, of, what about, of household combined yeah. at the oh, end yeah. between Peyton and right. Eli combined well, Aaron together. Rogers, Aaron Rodgers is going to end up $300 million quarterback, probably. For sure. Or $300 million player. And Eli Manning's at two fifty right now. And so, uh, look, he doesn't need the... He, the bottom line is he doesn't need the money. He's the highest paid player in NFL history right now. I think, uh, you know, take some time. Be with your family. He talked about the things that, you know, you miss. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people who work long hours can get, can understand this. You know, you miss things with your kids uh, and you're not around. Uh, but think about if you have the type of job that he has where, you know, you're putting in really long hours here. Yeah. You, you don't get to do a lot of stuff with your young kids. So I think it'll be. It'll These guys be, are showing up at the facility at 730 in the morning and they're leaving at. You know, players are leaving here at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Coaches much later than that. And Sometimes meetings run much later than that for players as well. Yeah, and a lot of guys will stay and watch film and do extra stuff. But um, it's it's long. It's a long day for these guys, and it's it's a grind. And uh, so I think, you know, he'll take some time to be with his family, as he should. I think that's, you know, the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll, he'll be a pitch man, keep doing the things that are – that's easy money. That's easy money. I mean, and he has that deadpan kind of off shucks uh, personality, just like Peyton. And, you know, they Peyton's commercials that, haven't stopped. That plays well in middle America. And don't forget the offer from Steve Tisch. Don't forget the offer yeah. from movie producer Steve what Tisch was today. The, uh, that was the funniest part of this press conference. And it, it'll fly under the radar because it had nothing to do with anything. But it was hilarious because John Mara <laughs> joked about Steve Tisch producing like terrible B-list movies, like C-list movies. And it was whatever. It was a Bad Boys 3. No, or it, was, it was something. I, I don't even know. Was he making up those movie titles? I have to go back and watch it. But it was like uh, that Steve had offered him a role in, in something part three. Uh, and Mara had missed the first two, Mara, but he'd be sure to be in the theater for part three if he lies in it. Yeah. It was a funny line. I missed the whatever part one and two, but it was... Uh, but I'm botching the joke and the retelling, but it was good. And so, yeah, no, I don't think he's going to be a, a thespian, but uh, <laughs> I do think he can he can, he can can pitch an insurance uh, company for 30 seconds. How about that? You have the discount double check with Aaron Rodgers. You have State Farm on your side for Peyton Manning. H- how about the all-state Eli Manning versus Peyton Manning, uh, st- you know, insurance rivalry? Why not? Why not? They're, they've always been competitors, so why not? Going back to that, this is SportsCenter ESPN commercial yep. back in the day, Daryl. Let's make a hard left turn and pivot to the Daniel Jones era or whatever's next for the New York Giants. And I'm going to throw a, fa- a curveball at you right now. This is your chance to rein me in and see if I'm being wild, speculative, you know, podcast host. 
or if there's something to this. Now, you've had the chance to be around Joe Judge twice today and the introductory press conference. I've spent a little time with him in Mobile, Alabama. We've now talked to him with a recorder in front of him for approximately 57 minutes. And in those 57 minutes, Daniel Jones's name has not only not been mentioned, but Joe Judge now, since he's been hired, has sidestepped, ducked, or flat out no commented and declined to answer any question surrounding Daniel Jones or about Daniel Jones. So how did that go down? So today he was dodging that. And I guess I understand because he, it was weird. It, I mean, he was asked a question about what do you think, you know, the, the impact future beyond of, this. Well, what do you yeah. think the impact of Eli will be on Daniel Jones? And he, he's like, I don't want to talk about the future. It's like, well, he's like, I want to talk about, I want to talk about Eli. And I get it. I mean, the question was tangentially, not even tangentially. It was very directly related to Eli Manning. Correct. So, especially because weird. this organization, Dave Gettleman and former head coach Pat Shermer and even John Mara talked at length this year about the value of Eli Manning mentoring and being in the building around Daniel Jones. So it feels like a natural question to ask. It's bizarre. I don't I don't I don't think John Mara would have any problem with Joe Judge saying a few nice things today about how Eli Manning's role would you know Eli Manning's mentorship would help Daniel Jones going forward? Now, what did he say in Mobile when he was asked? About yeah, Jones? he he was said that he did not want to get into questions about the roster. Why? I mean, hasn't he had enough oh, opportunities? Well, here, to look here's at the me presenting crazy podcaster, former radio host. Would someone ask why? Did anyone ask him why? It, he just moved right past it. He didn't like. He didn't want. To, it was very evident that he did not want to address the question about Daniel Jones. So what, there, did, what are we going to ask him about down there? His favorite shrimp joint? Yeah, how to know, make like, how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, seriously, if no, he I kid you not. How to make a peanut butter? He he talked about that people in the interviews for assistant coaching jobs. He wants to learn how to do something. Teach me something. Teach me how to make a peanut butter and be, peanut butter and oh, jelly sandwich. We talked about the assistant coaching. Thing. Yes, and uh, that was basically the premise of the entire conversation was about building the staff um, without okay. asking questions about the current players. Um, but I just find it very interesting that we've now had three opportunities in front of Joe Judge. They're picking fourth in the draft. They loved Justin Herbert a year ago. Tua Tagovailoa, if he has a clean bill of health, is probably going to be on the board at number four. Daryl, there's no chance they take a quarterback in no, the first I mean, round, right? Joe Judge isn't making the pick. I mean, deep down, he might not think Daniel Jones is as good as the, some of the people in the Giants do, but he's not making the pick. Dave Gettleman is. So, th- th- Joe Judge, you know... If he has reservations about Jones, and I'm not saying he does. I, what if you know, the reservations are coming from above? What if the reservations are coming from the 24 turnovers that Daniel Jones had a year ago and the fact that the coaching staff, Pat Shermer and Mike Schuller, are both gone? And maybe, maybe Joe Judge wants his guy, and maybe Dave Gettleman didn't see impressive enough returns. Yeah, maybe. I get the sense that ownership really likes, really likes Daniel Jones, and I, I just don't – I think that would be – a move that would be beyond bold to the point of being like, yeah, wow, maybe it would work out, but like it would be pretty insane for a franchise that runs things pretty conservatively. You know, I I think it would be very much out of character for them to do something like what Arizona did last year. Um, And I I don't disagree with you. I just, there's just a, a little voice, a whisper in the back of my head that's growing ever louder that, Hey, we've seen it before in other places. New I think, head coach. Yeah. I think the thing with Judge is like, 
it's there's a little bit of that Belichickian thing coming up. Like I'm not going to talk about something until I fully very true. have my arms around it. Like yes, he hasn't watched every minute of every second of every bit of film on these guys, and he doesn't feel like he can fully comment on it. Even though he like honestly like if he just says some boring platitude that. The thing he doesn't understand is if he says some boring platitude, we'll probably just be like, oh, okay. And no one will ever write it. Like, right. maybe it'll be written, but it'll just be a boring... No one's going to hold you to right now saying, like, yeah, we really, you know, thought he did some good things, whatever. We'll see what happens going forward. Okay. That's all you need to say. Is anyone going to rub that in your face down the road? Like, I think that he just comes from a place where they're very uncooperative with reporters. And I just don't think he's going to be a guy who, you know, like most coaches in the NFL, very few guys are cooperative and forthcoming now. I don't see him being particularly cooperative and forthcoming I, I totally based on agree. the early returns. Uh, look, I mean, he he came over and introduced himself to us. Like, I don't care about that. I don't care. I don't need to, like, shake your hand, dude. Like, just give I – mean, we don't need to be friends even. Right. Just when we're asking questions in a setting, like, maybe give a good quote. Like, and look, the that's bottom line is for. that doesn't really even matter. The bottom line is does he win games? So I think that's all fans care about. But I'm just saying, like, selfishly for me, you know, like, yeah, give me a good quote. Right. Like, you don't have to be, even be nice to me. Like, you can be a, a jerk while doing it. Um, but, uh, look, does that matter really at all? Not really. I think it comes down to wins and losses and winning games. But um, certain coaches, uh, I think, earn the right to be prickly. And Bill Belichick earned that right. And I'm not saying Joe Judge is going to be that way. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying he's going to be like my Matt Patricia in Detroit. He's been very smug there and has not earned that right and has lost a bunch of games. And um, I would like to think that Joe Judge has seen things like that and, know, and w- has known that, that that doesn't do you any favors. Especially, especially in, in this market. Yeah, and so maybe we're just seeing a couple like him being a little weird. But I, I don't think prickly or smug is even the right word so far for him. Not at all. No, I think that would be... I think that would be jumping the gun. Uh, I just think a little oddly standoffish about things that like you don't aren't, think are weird to, to be make. standoffish about. Yeah. Um, and that's just us talking through procedural stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, and assuming whatever. Jones is back, yeah. I think that he benefits. We talked a lot last week about the Jason Garrett hire as the offensive coordinator and what that brings. The rest of the staff is starting to come together. And I think that when you look at Jerry Shablinski, the quarterback coach, a guy who has a track record with Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo of being a guy who can relay the new system to a young quarterback, I think Daniel Jones will benefit from that. But, uh, you know, I just get the sense from talking to Judge and Mobile Daryl that this offense is going to funnel through through Saquon Barkley in a similar way to how the Giants offense funneled through Brandon Jacobs and funneled through Tiki Barber during the Eli Manning era. And they're not going to ask Jones to reinvent the wheel as a quarterback. They're going to ground and pound. And I think that Jones, the judge's answer at the Senior Bowl about um, first and foremost wanting to run the football further shows the alignment that he has with Dave Gettleman in terms of philosophy and what they want this team to be. It's good that they're on the same page. It's bad if that's not the right page. Yeah, yeah very <laughs> I think, much. I think, look, yeah, you don't want your GM and coach to be disagreeing about stuff. I mean, you saw how well that worked out for the Jets last year. So they wind up with a bunch of players who they don't, their regime doesn't even want, and they're stuck with, Le'Veon Bell being one of them. So um, you want your head coach and GM to be on the same page. Absolutely. But, you know, is that the right move? Is the line in good enough shape to be able to say, oh, yeah, we're just going to run the ball? 
well, that's line gonna, up and run the ball. Well, that's going to transition into our first uh, question from the Giants Extra yeah. Tech Service. Uh, question comes in, is the number four pick too high to take an offensive line? I hope we no. can trade down. If Tua or Herbert look good, perhaps we can move down a few spots and get a second or a third round pick. Uh, also, is Isaiah Simmons worth a, f- a number four overall pick? Yes, Simmons is worth a number four overall pick. I gave him to the Giants in the last mock draft. I think trading down is the right move, but um, Daryl, if, if you're sitting there and Tristan Wirfs is on the board or Andrew Thomas from Georgia, the offensive tackles on the board. I don't think it's too early at all to take an offensive tackle. Not when you look at the state of this line and how no. valuable it is to what they're trying to do. Jedrick Wills, the kid from Alabama. Yeah. No relation to Bob Wills. No one's going to get that joke. Um, <laughs> that went right over my head. King of well. Swing, Bob oh, Wills. There you go. <laughs> so watch the country music PBS documentary. It's really good. So, uh, so yeah, you have some options there. You, this is the year where there's some pretty good offensive tackles. There's not going to be an offensive tackle, like you said, Orlando Pace type, uh, I think our last podcast. But I think, yeah, if you like a guy, you should be open to potentially taking him at number four. Uh, then maybe you move Nate Solder over to right tackle. You do that, you move Solder over to right tackle, you let Mike Remmers walk, you don't sign Jack Conklin in free agency. Of course, you're going to have to make your free agency decisions before the draft uh, in, in March. But, um, yeah, I think you mentioned Wirfs, and we talked about Wills and uh, Andrew Thomas. And I think there was another guy, uh, Mackay Becton was mocked to the Jets, or to the Jets, to the Giants, the Giants. in uh, another mock draft I saw. And so... Uh, yeah, I think the line should be a possibility. I think Dave Gettleman probably won't trade down. He should consider it. Rebuilding teams need to stockpile picks. He's uh, never done it in his career, Isaiah whether it's in Carolina or here. Isaiah Simmons is fascinating. He's a super versatile player. I was talking to my buddy who covers Clemson uh, the other day, and he thinks he's going to be a sh- – and he, they've seen a lot of really good players come through there. And my, a friend of mine who covers them said he, this guy's going to be really good. He can play all over the field. He's a linebacker, safety type. He can be a free safety. He can play outside so, if you need him to, mostly inside, yeah. plays safety, he can play the slot. You can move them all around. Uh, the numbers are remarkable from what he did this year. So I think he should be a consideration too. Yep, I agree. Is uh, Van Clowney a possibility or spending money um, – for quantity over quality, the smarter move. Look, they need talent across the board, Daryl. Yes, he's a possibility. He should be. It should very much be a possibility. If they think he can stay healthy. If, if Clowney's available, if Yannick Ngankwe, you know, somehow doesn't get tagged or hit free agency or get a long-term deal, if he's available in free agency and Ngankwe needs to be on their board, they need a game-changing pass rusher. They don't have a game changer. And if you look at the teams that are in the Super Bowl, you look at the front sevens for the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at the San Francisco 49ers with Bosa, with Armstead, with the players they have along those front front seven. And I go after Armstead as well. Um, You need to have high-impact players at that position. And right now, the Giants just have a collection of guys. Yep, exactly. Uh, Let's see. And I believe that's the end of our questions right here from the tech service for, yeah, yeah. Didn't get, did not a busy week some of you guys had some good ones for Eli I, Manning yeah and I look we sorry but I wasn't going to ask you questions to Eli Manning <laughs> the mic didn't come around I didn't get a question in today honestly the questions were pretty pretty bland at these things but let me go through here the one I liked was why was he never on social media and does he use his wife as a burner account that was a That's great, great question that was fantastic yeah I said send me your creative answers just to give you guys an idea if you want to sign up for the tech service we, we obviously we're reading these sorry we don't always get a chance to respond to all of them but uh, will you stay someone says will you stay in game shape let's do this I'll, I'll read them and we'll see how Eli would answer them or how he should have <laughs> will you stay in game shape per chance a November 20th opportunity presents itself Did 
Did the person who asked that question watch the last three seasons of Eli Manning playing? Well, one of the things I really enjoy is the post-game beer on the back of the bus, and I'm still going to enjoy the post-game fruit juice after my daughter's basketball game and the post-game beer on the patio. (laughs) Right, exactly. And, and and being not as sore as you'd be uh, in the back of that bus. If a team like the Titans asks you to go be their starting quarterback, would you go if Tannehill doesn't sign and leaves elsewhere for a huge contract? I'll interpret that, and then you can give your Eli answer. Uh, I think that Tannehill's coming back there, and uh, a team's not going to ask him to be the starter. How would you answer that, Eli? Once a giant, always a giant, except for the 10 minutes I was a San Diego trucker. <laughs> That's very good. Very good. What was uh, okay? Maybe this one you can't do a funny answer to. Uh, someone says, "What was your conversation like with Mara ten days ago?" That would have been a good. That would have been a good question to actually ask him. We yes. don't know. We can, I'm sure it was just a normal conversation. I, I'm sure it was them discussing a position somewhere in the organization, and Eli saying, "You know, I'd like to retire. I'd like to do it on this day, and I'll get back to you on the other stuff." Right? Exactly. I think that that's exactly the vibe I got today when he was asked about the same thing. Position in the organization. What are you going to do next? He deferred, he deferred, he deferred. And he doesn't know. I right. mean, the, he's, he, look, he's played his last football game. He's got his entire extended right. family there. He's got his young daughters there. This is he's a pretty thinking, early... I want to I want to enjoy this yeah. for a little bit. And he's, guys, he has more than earned that right. He has more than earned that right not to show up on your TV screen for a commercial or a pregame show for however long he likes. If, if he wants to never live in the public life again and wants to live in his McMansion in North Jersey, hey, more power to you. Enjoy your life. You've earned it. And, you know, I, I envy him because, A, he's at a young age. It's a relatively early retirement by normal people's standards, an incredibly early retirement, right? And, you know, he can walk out of a brutally violent game much better than most people can say they walked out of the NFL. Right. And it was a pretty early retirement in terms of uh... – not uh, not how old he is, but like he made this decision in January. A lot of times you don't see this happen until February or March or yeah. later. So he probably really doesn't know what he's going to do because he, he really did just play his last game not too long ago. So uh, the other one uh, here was, would you consider coaching or working uh, back in the? We talked about the coaching working working back in the office at the NFL. No, I don't think I don't think that's happening. So the coaching thing's not happening. How would you answer the one, the social media one? Uh, did, why did you never get in social media? And does does your wife use an account? What do you think, Eli? I I use her account. I know what's said and written about me. <laughs> and you know what? I'm sure he probably does because all these guys who say they don't read stuff, they always read. They stuff. read everything. But the best ones, and they're always aware of stuff. They're always aware of stuff for sure. But the one of the great things about Eli Manning is that he could thrive in this market and let stuff roll off his shoulders publicly. If it ever bothered him and it fueled him. It nev- he never let it show with bitterness. Maybe that helped his results on the field, but he did a magnificent job, much like Derek Jeter did, of swallowing whatever frustration he might have had with how he was being portrayed, how he was being you know peppered with things, how he was being criticized. And the best players who are able to thrive here understand that that's part of the deal uh, because you know people are going to criticize you when you struggle. It's, and I think that endeared into the fan base, and rightfully so. The winning certainly helped, and and you know people are going to look back very fondly on those two Super Bowl wins. But I think his very um, all shucks, you know, let it roll off your shoulders, public demeanor. I think it really helped him cultivate the fan base here. Yep, and he, you know he's been that way for years, and I'm sure he'll he'll like we said earlier, kind of play up that personality going into the future. So. 
it uh, it'll be a new chapter starting uh, here, 2020. Joe Judge, and it's all going to happen Daniel pretty quickly Jones. from here because you have the Super Bowl coming up, and then before you know it, it's going to be the legal tampering period in March and free agency getting underway. The NFL draft, uh, new coaching staff still hasn't been formally announced, and you know Judge talked about this in Mobile. He talked about it again today that he doesn't want to give any specifics or any press releases or any announcements until pen hits paper in case things change or they agree to terms on something right. and a guy takes another job. But they're taking their time with this they're doing their due diligence but once that staff comes together daryl i think it's going to really accelerate this offseason and, and things are going to start happening pretty quickly yep the, all the big pieces are in place jason garrett we didn't even talk about jason garrett because we did talk about him so much last time so if you want to know our thoughts on jason garrett the, just go back one episode. the hire is official and we basically said last week why he would be good i think he's going to be good i think he's going to be good for them which means he'll probably be terrible so <laughs> <laughs> and then they can all blame you yeah blame me there's literally no repercussions to me saying he's going to be good. So exactly. He's going to be great. But, uh, yeah, you'll be in the Super Bowl next week. I I'll won't be, be with Bowl. you. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to try to check in from Miami, and then you and I will be reunited the following week. Looking forward to that again. If you like what you hear, we would love if you would subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store. Leave us a five-star review. Check us out on SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Daryl Slater. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Uh, enjoy your week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Talk is Cheap podcast on NJ.com. Come